0: Lock on. Lock on. Lock on. Lock on. Lock lock on. Lock on. Lock on. Cowboy.
1: Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can
0: also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not a lot. It's uh, kind of the the lull post-draft. We're, we're trying to figure out what we have Uh, and and trying to figure out exactly when we're going to be able to do anything with what we've got it's going to be interesting to see how the the schedule rolls out but until then uh, we're looking at these undrafted free agents we're looking at these draft picks Uh, and right now we're actually looking at a free agent that got signed
1: Mm, yeah, uh, I believe it was Stephen Jones that said after the draft that uh, they've been in contact with a couple of veteran free agents that could potentially help them out this year. And I think it's notable because uh, on Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time is the date that the compensatory formula stopped counting. So any re- free agent that you sign from this point on doesn't count against the comp. Uh, pick formula, and that's important for the Cowboys because they're scheduled to get four picks next year. I believe it's a three, four, a five, and a six, and potentially that four could go all the way up to a three depending on what Robert Quinn does. Anyways, they signed veteran cornerback Daryl Worley from the Oakland Raiders, who also spent some time early in his career with the Carolina Panthers. Um, Worley is an interesting player, 6'1", 215. Uh, very similar to a lot of the cornerbacks that the Cowboys have in their room right now. Landon, what was your initial reaction when you heard this signing?
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised just because it felt like numbers weren't an issue at this point. I mean, it felt like no. we, we got a lot of players in the position. I, I mean, again... Maybe we need to adjust our expectations with the two extra roster spots that teams are getting each year. Maybe mm, maybe yeah. these yeah, are That's getting, a good point. Maybe these are going into these defensive back spots, right? So maybe they are going to go lo- what we consider mm. to be long at cornerback. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's another young but veteran player who has a lot of experience, um, who has a lot of uh, – uh, Uh, starting experience. Lots of snaps playing a couple different spots. He had, you know, at different points had experience playing safety for uh, Vegas slash Oakland or whatever Mm -hmm. we're going to call him last year. Um, The Raiders, yeah. The the Raiders, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I think that, you know, you, you saw... You know, it wasn't great. I mean, he isn't like top of the market cornerback, that's for sure. But he yeah. he put up some good tape against some good competition. It was up and down at times. I don't know that this guy is. Uh, and I think you mentioned this is this is a guy that you want as your starter. But I think that as a guy who's you know a little bit down a little bit further down on your bench, he's incredibly useful. He's a big guy. He can cover tight ends. He can play some safety for you. I'm sure he'll be good in special teams. Uh, you know, and no risk signing, and he's 25 years old. Um, this is just a kind of a solid signing. You know, I think uh, with for a guy that uh, maybe kind of helps expand what the totality of what your g- cornerback group can do, um, but maybe not adding you know a, a true topper at you know as far as the, the depth chart. Uh, I, I just think this is you know. Uh, this is a, I, I, what it feels like right now is that they're collecting the talents that they need uh, in this cornerback defensive back group so that they can kind of mix and match these guys as needed to do mm. a variety of things, you know, depending on who they're playing.
1: Yeah, so Worley has uh, kind of an interesting story, um, and I'll try to get through it as quick as I can. Uh, he was the third round pick in 2016 by the Panthers, started 11 games uh, that season, uh, the following season in 2017, uh, started 14 games for the Panthers, played cornerback, but played a lot of safety that year. Um, he, he actually was the corner that was responsible for covering Julio Jones in the game that he had 300 receiving yards. Um, and then from that point on, basically Carolina decided, hey, you're not a corner, you're, you're a safety The following offseason, they traded him to Philadelphia for Torrey Smith. I don't know if you remember that trade, but that was a a big move at the time because, you know, he was a 22-year-old corner with a lot of experience. Traded for Torrey Smith. Uh, About a week later, he gets arrested and the Eagles cut him uh, before the draft. Picked up by the Raiders. uh, Played decent in 2018. Got suspended in 2019 for four games due to a uh, substance abuse problem. Or actually, excuse me, a, a PED problem. Uh, And then this year for the Raiders, um, you know, played most of the season, played, you know, bounced back and forth between corner uh, and safety. Um, For most of the year, he was the Raiders' best cornerback. Uh, But by the time we got, you know, halfway through the season, uh, the Raiders wanted to see what they had in Trayvon Mullen and Isaiah Johnson, two guys that they drafted in 2019. So they moved Worley to safety after Carl Joseph and Jonathan Abram got hurt. Uh, so Worley's one of these guys that just has really never found a, the right team and the right spot to play yet. So I'm curious to see what he does in Dallas because I do think he's incredibly talented. Like you watch him, you know, play and man, the, the physical tools are so good. I mean, the, the, he's again six foot one, two hundred and five pounds. 33-and-a-half-inch arms. That's in the 96th percentile. Yeah. Uh, massive hands. Uh, you know, the, the agility in that stuff and the, the jumps are all really, really good. Um, and then there's flashes on tape. You watch. The go- Please, Cowboy fans, go watch him against the Lions last year cover Kenny Galladay he did a fantastic job in that game covering Galladay had a one-handed interception in the red zone just absolutely fantastic but it's the inconsistencies that have kept him from kind of making the next step as a corner so um, at this stage in free agency you know late April early May you're not going to get many bet, you know, players better than this. Uh, this is a, a great, great one-year risk because I do think this is somebody who, if you need him to start, he can do that. But he is a quality, quality backup player that I could certainly see, you know, pushing some of the other guys out of the roster. So um, any, any final thoughts on Worley before we move on?
0: Well, I mean, I think that they clearly are going to have a kind of uh, – You know, inside outside safety corner type combo guys. Uh, And I think, you know, he he probably will be one of those guys. It it really feels like, and we'll get it to to McClay's comments here in a second, but it really feels like that, you know, a Woozy is going to be one of those guys. Um, I just think the idea here is, you know, in contrast to last year, where, you know, when you played the Cowboys, you knew what you were facing. You know they they were gonna oh, yeah. they were gonna yeah. face the same coverages the same looks you know they may mix it up here and there a little bit but mostly you're gonna face the same thing that you you knew that you were gonna face uh, and they are just gonna try to execute you to death uh, and they just try to force you to, to to you know earn every single yard this year it really feels like they are moving more to a. Uh, you know, per opponent, uh, uh, kind of week to week game planning sort of a situation. New
1: England, a New England style of def- defense to a certain
0: players. degree, yeah. Where you're actually game planning for individual situations, and, and part of what that requires is a you know, especially for a position like defensive back where you need to do a, a variety of things depending on who you're facing. You need to have a collection of these guys, like, and I think that's again kind of going back to why you're not paying. One big, big guy at the top is because I think you need like a, a, a mix and match of five solid corners who could do a variety mm-hmm. of different things so that you can deploy the scheme each week. Uh, I, I, I find it funny, and we'll ta- have this conversation about scheme versus uh, talent. Uh, I, I find it funny that, that people talk about, uh, uh, you know, the, the separating the two or that you needed to choose between the two when. You know, that's just not this is so far off from the truth and and we'll have a conversation about that in a sec.
1: I do wonder, like you mentioned with the two more roster spots, again, you could have fifty five guys on your roster this year compared to fifty three. If that doesn't open up a spot for a tight end stopper. You know, the Cowboys have used Byron Jones in that role before. Maybe they're trying to use, uh, you know, a Daryl Worley or a Chido B. to to do that kind of role. And, you know, you look at the tight ends in the division with Zach Hurts and Dallas Goddard and Evan Ingram. It's probably a wise thing to consider because you're going to be going against those guys so frequently. Get some guys in the roster that match up well with them. So I think that's just something that we need to maybe consider going forward. All right, that is uh, no, That's not it for the show. No, We're it's take not. A quick break. <laughs> no, we got we got much more to talk about. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll uh, talk about Will McClay uh, yesterday, guys. We talk about physical fitness all the time, but there's another side of the game that is just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. Again, that's 40%. With Calm, you'll have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. All right, Landon, Will McClay did his typical post-draft uh uh, press, you know, press conference. He met with one hundred five point three the fan. Uh, he was on a couple different shows yesterday. The car wash uh, and a lot of yeah, <laughs> the car wash. The a car lot wash. of interesting nuggets yesterday coming out from Will McClay. Uh, well, I want to start with this one because I feel like this one's the most important to me. Uh, he mentioned that Reggie Robinson, the Cowboys' fourth round cornerback, uh, was his pet cat of the draft uh i just want to say that i love that that's that's great that these guys have pet cats that they guys that they fall in love with and that they have to have in the draft uh robinson is ironically one of those guys for me uh will did reveal that tony pollard was that guy at last year's draft where he just wanted to make sure that he came out of the draft with pollard he didn't care if you drafted him two rounds ahead of where most people had him is is that smart to to have pet cats in the draft or is it just kind of human nature to, to to fall in love with a couple of these guys
0: I mean I think it's I think it's human nature um, I you know I don't know how I don't know if it's smart or not I mean I, I think that there's there is something to the idea that you, you should trust your instincts and if your instincts are telling you that you need to draft this player that you mm-hmm. know that you, you've been trained to do this job and, and that should be you know a, an indicator that that there's you should ignore the dumb stuff and just cut through the BS and and, and enjoy the player yep. and get him. Uh, But I also, you know, I mean, human nature is also can be fallible, completely fallible. And you can like player for for the wrong reasons and be fooled for, you know, the way that he uh, destroyed a a lesser team and just that can stick. I mean, you know, I think we've all had the problem of uh, I think all of us as, as evaluators at different points, you know, have addressed the idea of identifying our own biases in our in our evaluation right like understanding yep. where we have strengths and weaknesses as evaluators and then knowing that hey you know and I, it's like you and i talk about all the time i struggle with these types of players i struggle with that type of of of, of player in evaluations right like because it's it's sure. it's, it's yep. i'm just not good at at hitting on these types of players i can't see it and so i think as long as you know th- th- those guys obviously have well examined that but as long as they are aware of their own kind of biases of players and aware of what they tend to kind of lean to whether it's good or bad. I think it's not a problem to have a pet cat. And I think, you know, in a lot of this is, like I said, it's truly tapping into, uh, 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 you know, like a, a subconscious on a subconscious level, your brain collecting all the information you have about the player and, and then giving you the information you need uh, without your, your conscious mind getting in the way. <laughs>
1: I will say this. As you get deeper into the draft, you know, past the first, second round, value doesn't really matter too much anymore, right? Because once you get to, you know, once you get to the field, the draft is over. It doesn't matter whether you took Reggie Robinson in the fourth or sixth round. It just matters that he's on your team. So if you think that Reggie Robinson is going to be a starting corner, who cares what everybody else thinks about him and where everybody else has him and the chance of you maybe getting him a round later. If you think that guy is going to be a player, go draft him. I, I don't. I, again, at that stage in the draft, especially on day three, I don't care about value at all. Get the guys that you think can play.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, look, it, value is is a number. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's yeah. a measurement that's applied by a human. Uh, it's it's a lot like buying stocks. You're not buying a stock for what it's priced at right now. You're buying a stock because you think that that price will go up, and that you're investing at a good price now. You know, and I think that that's the mm-hmm. whole thing with drafting these players. You evaluate them. You you guesstimate where their value is in this stock market, which is the draft, and basically deciding, how, you know, the order of of where people should be generally taken. And then you take that information, and and since everyone's picking one at a time, there has to be some gamesmanship involved. You have to inject that, so it, your value is just part of the decision making. It's 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 an information, you know, numeric value really more than anything. And and then you take that information. And then use right. it to try to figure out, OK, what's the best way for me to get value all throughout this this uh, draft while also getting what I need out of the draft and getting good players?
1: I agree. Um- I just find it interesting that I mean we help, we always have our pet cats in the draft. It's it's fun to see that those guys do too. Uh, moving on, another quote from Will McClay talking about CD Lamb. He said the pick was unanimous. He said there was no discussion really about it. Once CD was on the board, that was the pick. Is that surprising to you?
0: I don't I don't know that it is.
1: Um, I don't think it is. Well, I think it's surprising considering maybe who was in the room drafting last year,
0: right? Yeah, I I, I don't, I don't think know. If, I, 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 I think well, well, I, I was surprised if 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 Jason Garrett drafted Ceedee Lamb if he fell to him. Like, do you really think that that wouldn't happen?
1: I don't think it would have been unanimous. No, I, I think I think Jerry and Stephen and Will probably would have still suggested Lamb. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Garrett and the rest of those guys would have advocated for that. No, I I, I don't feel confident about that.
0: Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I just I don't think that that it would have changed things. I think they, the Garrett administration would have drafted C. Lamb if he fell to them too. I, I just I mean I think that this isn't like I, I think that people want to make this into being like a uh, a watershed moment for like the the methodology and maybe it is, but I, I just think maybe. that but I just don't know that this that specific pick is the is showing that as much i i i i, I mean cd lamb is such a no-brainer at 17 i guess my point is is that even even someone conservative like garrett probably would have pulled the trigger on that
1: okay let me ask you this if and this is again this is pure hypothetical but if uh jerry judy or henry ruggs were on the board instead of lamb do you still think it would have been unanimous or do you think they would have went with chase on
0: no, I think that's different. I think that they probably wait, do you mean the current administration?
1: Yeah, the current one. I'm saying this one. This do one. you think if, if Judy or Ruggs was on the board, do you think they draft them over Chase on?
0: I I don't know. I think it's a I lot I either. think it's a lot more of a toss up there.
1: I agree. It's certainly not unanimous, yeah. I would, I would have to guess.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think it's probably a lot more difficult call. I think CD Lamb is a tick better than those other two and that's why you you, you just, it's too much value to to with, you know, it's too, he's too good of a player to pass him.
1: And this is what um, you know, Mike Fisher our, our buddy before the draft was saying the Cowboys were pretty much dead set on drafting against drafting a receiver in the first round. And I think that included the possibilities of Judy and Ruggs being there. I mean, we, we started to hear some rumblings that Judy could potentially fall. Ruggs was always a guy that was probably going to go somewhere between 12 and 19. I, I don't think Dallas thought that either of those guys project maybe as number ones in the NFL, and that's why they were willing to, to draft Chase on over them. But I think once Lamb came into the conversation, I, I think that's where things changed, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that no one anticipated Lamb being the one to fall. And uh, and certainly no one anticipated them getting that close, so it, it changed mm-hmm. all it changed all the angles.
1: Um, all right, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk more about Will McClay. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue Blue bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct. So they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer, offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our promo code NFL, just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, Lannan, uh, McClay said the first thing that him and Mike McCarthy discussed was players over scheme. He said that Mike McCarthy uh, told him that it's all about the the Jimmys and Joes and not the X's and O's. So go out and go, find good players, and we'll adapt the scheme uh, around those players. Uh, I know that is a, a welcome change for the Cowboys, uh, considering what they've had over the last decade, where scheme was such an important part of drafting, finding the guys that fit in uh, into the offense or defense. Um, what was your takeaway from Will McClay
0: there? Uh, you know I just uh, I've been I mean I don't know maybe I'm old now uh, but it, like uh, this uh, this doesn't excite me or uh, you know it's uh, this this why is b- because
1: I think it, I think it's exciting okay
0: I I, I I think it's a change and I think it's good but I also think that this isn't uh, we're just waffling between two different things that I mean really I don't know that one is any more a uh, 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 better strategy than the other. I think that I think how you execute them and how things fall that's what makes it interesting but this whole conversation about Jimmy and Joe's versus I mean that's that's a, a knowledgeable football person glad handing like sports radio listeners to me because yeah. that's such a bs <laughs> like that's such a bs saying like like first of all here's the thing the reason the reason that some teams choose to go with more scheme-centric situations. It's because the players they draft are less likely to bust. If you if you sure. if you have a, a, a template of what you want to fit into your specific spots and everywhere on your on your team. You have a high probability of being able to draft those guys, identify those guys year after year. You have excellent. It's just like them uh, executing on the field. It's all about refining, right? It's like the the scouts are refining their their uh, their templates for what they want to put into these positions and the players when they get drafted they need to refine their very few techniques that they have to to know uh to be perfect at what they're asked to do it's just narrowing the lanes a little bit and now everyone got upset about that and i and i I get it because it wasn't working that's fine so now we've kind of gone Mm -hmm. to the opposite end right where oh we'll just draft uh the most talented players and we'll find a way to fit them in well, what people don't really realize is that that's an even more difficult schematic. That's, uh, if anything, that's more scheme than, not mm-hmm. less scheme than it was before. Because sure. now, no, you're right. because it's not even just about. Here's the thing: now you've introduced randomization in the the kind of players that you're drafting. You, you, you you're not you're going to have a higher bust rate probably uh, than you were before. And I, again. I'm not saying this is bad or, or good. I'm saying it's it's just different. It's 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 just the opposite of what sure. it was, right? Now you also are going to have to, when you draft these players, you're going to have to find a way to scheme them into your system, and 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 that kind of stuff creates butts like crazy, right? Because if you if you misevaluate mm. the player and or you can't. Find a way to fit this guy in with all the other guys that you're trying to fit into a system that works as a whole. Then there's there's going to be chances of bust. I think that this uh, look, I, I, I'm I'm making an argument like like this is a, a worse way to do things, and I completely don't believe that. I think it's six one half dozen the other to me, right? Because if you play it conservative yeah. and if you try to just get a narrow range of players. Guess what? You probably are never going to get the 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 swings, the home run hits, the 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 you know ex, ex, extra and above players that you need to win a Super Bowl because you're just playing it safe the whole time. On the other side, what we're doing now, you, you probably are going to incur more busts, uh, m- you know, more missed opportunities, more bad fits because you're trying to. Cobbled together a bunch of talent into a cohesive scheme. I, I, sure. I, I, it's again, it's, it's probably the similar hit rates. And so I'm not upset about it, but I think it's just funny that, like, you know, everyone says, oh, this is such a revelation. No, 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 no. I mean, it, it's just like saying Bill Belichick is a great drafter. <laughs> you know, no, he's not. <laughs> he's great at collecting talent and eventually getting it all together. But what Bill Belichick yeah. actually does is he trades back. He gets a whole bunch of stuff because he knows that he's going to he he needs like 10 picks every year to get the four players that he wants. You know, like, I mean, that's what makes him good is that he and, and I think the PFF guys talk about this all the time. Bill Belichick realizes that no one is good at, re- at drafting. And so that he's trying to trade back and just throw things at the wall and get as many players as he can. I think that's kind of what we're going to see with the Cowboys is that, you know, because they don't have specific types, they can't feel so certain that they're going to hit on all their picks like they were before. They're probably going to have to try a whole bunch of different stuff with a whole bunch of different players just to see what fits.
1: Here's the other thing. (laughs) Are we sure they don't have a specific type of player? Look at the corners they drafted. Right, they, they, they're two corners that are six one and like to play press man. They certainly have a type. It's because right? you can't so think, you
0: can't completely ignore scheme. Right, you can't just mix right. and match the uh, skilled players. It's, it's that's and that's the thing that I think I am upset about is that's a ridiculous assertion. Like I, I think sure. Bucky Brooks yeah. said it best. Eighty five percent of the of the league. Regardless of players, and I and I think this sounds right to me. Eighty-five percent of the league are scheme players. They 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 oh, you know hundred percent absolutely. They have to play inside a specific scheme. So yeah, you're still going to have you know archetypes, and you're still going to be drafting specific types of players. So the kind of glad handing mm. that they're just drafting for you know ability, it's. It's just as ridiculous as, as the previous administration saying that they only you know draft best player available or, uh, or drafting yeah, for need. Yeah. It's 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 always the gray area. It's never the black and or white.
1: So so this is a question that I wish somebody would ask Will McClay over the last couple of days. What types of players this year were on your board that maybe wouldn't have been on your board in previous years, right? Because I want to know. Okay. You know, if they're truly open to taking the best players available, which ones were they putting? You know, taking off their board in previous seasons? Was it the undersized tight ends who you know maybe aren't the you know the dominating blockers? Is it undersized edge rushers or is it uh, you know safeties under two hundred pounds? I mean, that's that's just something we don't know, and I don't feel like this draft is going to tell us or reveal very much of that because. I kind of think everybody they drafted fits their scheme in one way or the another. Like, is there really a guy that you can point to in this draft class and be like, you know what? Doesn't fit their scheme, but he was the best player available. I kind of feel like they all, they all fit in pretty well. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, like it's, it's never one or the other. It's, it's always uh, uh, on a spectrum between the two, you know? And, uh, again, I think the more outlier-ish that the player, the talented player is that you're drafting, the more difficulty you're going to have in trying to fit them into a role on your defense. You know, and I, I yeah. and I, th- yeah. I I mean, I I applaud McCarthy from and Nolan. I think that these guys are veteran coaches who have the ability to to scheme in players, talented players that don't necessarily. One hundred percent fit the archetypes that you want for your defense or, and or offense, uh, but I, I think to suggest that this is less scheme based than say uh, you know what was going on with it's last not. year. It's not. It's 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 it requires. I mean, just as much, if not more, scheming to get everyone to fit. So uh,
1: I, I really think the only difference is they they might be a little less open to drafting for need rather than just the best player available. But I don't think that changes necessarily, you know, if if a guy doesn't fit their scheme well, maybe he's not going to be their highest graded player on the board, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I I also think that they're going to – they're not afraid to take – I think it's more just that they're not going to be afraid to take swings at players that you know fall outside their their you know standards, their templates. You know, I, I, yeah.
1: Uh, it, it, my guess it'll be day three guys rather than day one or two guys. Probably,
0: yeah. And, and again, like I, 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 it's not all these players. You, you need you know uh, like eighty percent of your defense to fit what your defense does. So it's going to be players yeah. here and there, and and I think that there may be more. Role players, you know, more guys who come in to do a specific job on defense and that sort of thing. So, uh,
1: like a Daryl Worley,
0: yeah, might exactly. be a perfect
1: example, yeah, right?
0: Exactly. Maybe Worley just comes in as a, as a tight end eraser or that sort of thing. I think you're going to see a couple of different guys with those kind of roles.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what the uh, the Cowboys do on defense. I am curious to see, you know, how they you know move all these guys around and find you know homes for each player. Um, we got a little taste and in, insight of what the Cowboys are going to do, uh, maybe going forward with, with McCarthy and you know these guys, you know, instead of Jason Garrett and Rod Marinelli. So it's going to be fascinating to to follow this over the next couple of years. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Cowboys, And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.